episode of War Talking Drums is brought to you by Los Cabos Drumsticks, Canada's number one drumstick manufacturer. With 22 models to choose from, you can get the right size, weight, and feel for your playing. Los Cabos Drumsticks. Hello, everybody. This is your old pal, Derek, here. And I'm sitting with my good buddy, Corey. Hey, how you today. doing? Hey man, how you doing? We're both we're both a little sleepy. We'll try to pick the energy up here, but you know this will be a good episode to listen to in the evening when uh, you know you're winding down for the night. Yeah, not Monday morning on your way to work, which is when (laughs) this is released. So yeah, yeah, it's just gonna be gentle, nice, Mm, soft. We should, uh, yeah, we should get like rainforest sounds in the background for this whole one. Okay, that's doable, man. I'll I'll put that in and post, and everyone can enjoy it. You know, (laughs) Uh, on an unrelated to drums note, uh, when I was growing up, we had this, uh, like we got this cable that had all these extra channels and there was one that was like nature sounds that was supposed to be relaxing. And I remember just listening to it for a bit and it was, it was like forest sounds. You hear leaves rustling and water flowing. But then like, I think that it was an actual microphone that somebody like put into a rainforest because there's like this troop of monkeys went by in the recording and it's just like, they're screaming and shaking things and making all this horrible noise. And there was, nothing relaxing about it (laughs) so i always thought that was kind of funny that is man i always like putting on the fireplace channel you know it's nice and relaxing you're having a nice sunday afternoon whatever you know just put on the fireplace channel the crackle of the fire you know or a saturday evening you know we're all about relaxing sounds here yeah always man always i'm a i'm a big fan of just having a fan on all otherwise i hear I actually, I hated a fan before because um, I'm not a big fan of breezes, like a breeze, like a cool breeze or anything like that. You know, I'm not, not a huge fan of that usually. And a fan, You're delicate. a fan is just an indoor breeze. That's all it is, <laughs> really. It's pointed away from you. So, well, that that's what I do at night. I point it away from me, but I like the hum of the fan. It allows me to kind of zone out. And uh, enter that dream state, because you know, uh, yeah, I I assume yourself and a lot of people have difficulty sleeping sometimes. You know, in the world totally. we live in, I also have uh, I've also got tinnitus pretty bad. Oh well, yeah. And so my my ears are constantly ringing, and whenever I am sitting in my apartment, if like as long as there's some sort of noise, it's fine. But like you know, the furnace will shut off. And then all of a sudden the house is dead quiet and it's just like, oh, that's loud. I'm going to go and <laughs> like si- <laughs> silence is loud for me. So I go and I turn on a fan or something. Yeah. And I assume that most uh, drummers anyways, or musicians in general have a little bit of uh, hearing damage, you know? Yeah, probably. We were all uh, young once and didn't always think that uh, hearing protection was a good thing, you know? 
where uh it is it is it is a good it thing. is great <laughs> i will say that as soon as i started using in-ear monitors um everything changed but there was a number of years yeah. there where i didn't and i just wanted things loud as hell because i thought i was hardcore or something i don't know uh, yeah totally i think mine was compounded with i had a lot of just ear problems as a kid and my eardrums burst when i was like 13 which sucks don't recommend that to anyone listening uh, but I think that paired with whenever I first started drumming, not using your protection at all, uh, probably compounded it. But I know that like, I'll still occasionally meet people that are like, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't bother wearing earplugs at shows. And I just get completely like, man, do it. Like you should like, yeah, do it. That's stupid. <laughs> you should not be going to shows without earplugs. What are you doing? Well, if I'm going to see a show, I don't usually wear earplugs, but nowadays, like oh, I don't boo. Well, I haven't seen a show yeah. in over a year now, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I'm not a big fan of earplugs at shows. It just doesn't uh, give me that uh, energy and that that you know closeness. So to the I music. will, I will agree with you that like foam earplugs at shows suck a lot. Mm-hmm. But you should have something. And what I found worked really well is um, like earbud headphones like noise canceling yeah. ones with like the rubber little cone thing. Yeah. Those seem to be at, like, those are better than nothing because they will block out some sound, but they also don't ruin the sound like foam construction plugs do. Yeah. Well, when so, I'm on the road, if I go out into the audience, I always have my in-ears on me and I put them in. If I am mm-hmm. going out into the audience or anything like that, I wear those before and after our set. Um, just to, because, you know, I'm doing it every single night. It's not like I go to a show like a couple times a month or something. Um, but it's like if it's like 20 days in a row of just fucking loud music. It, yeah, it'll yeah, it'll it'll do some serious damage. So I uh, yeah, I, I, I do that for sure. And if I have them on me when I'm at a show, like if I if I remember to bring them then I'll definitely put them in. But I don't like like foam earplugs or anything like this. I've tried it and it just doesn't do anything. But these days I just I or uh back when there were shows, uh I normally <laughs> just wouldn't uh be close to the front anymore, you know? Getting older. I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not going in the pit. I'm not standing next to the speakers or anything. Stand back a little bit and you know. Oh man. Usually by the I mean, yeah, board. I'm the same way too. Yeah. I try to Sorry? I try to walk around and find where the best sound is actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember the moment I became old and stopped going up front. <laughs> like this specific there was a specific show which was a turning point. I went to go see Behemoth. Mm-hmm. Uh they were promoting the Satanist and they it was an ama- that was probably the best show I've ever seen, but when they came out, like they were about to go on, I'm like, "All right, let's go up front." And so I pushed my way up front. I was like the second row. And then they walked out and started playing and it just like the crowd compressed me up front and people are like throwing up the horns and like elbowing me in the face and I'm getting squished and pushed around and, and like crowd surfers are hitting me. And I just was like, <laughs> I was like two minutes into the first song. I was like, God, I hate this. And I like elbowed my way out. And I went back and found my uh, my friend who was like in the sweet spot where it sounded great and you could see everything. Yeah. And so I just hung out there for the rest of the show and I was like, yeah, this is this is how I view shows now. <laughs> I don't go up front anymore. Yeah, man. I there's been a couple where I uh, had a couple too many wobbly pops and uh, 
got adventurous with it and really wanted to be right up front. Uh, but mm. you know, it these days or in more recent years, probably in the last like six or seven years, really, I prefer just <laughs> to stand back and and enjoy the show. So totally, yeah, absolutely, yeah, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's just there's too much going on. The the front the front is for the the kids. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got a I've got a back that'll probably be. Th- put out if i get bumped into too hard so oh yeah ex- who needs that <laughs> exactly man yeah i can't can't <laughs> keep doing that anymore if i fucking blow <laughs> out a knee or something i don't know <laughs> oh man can you imagine actually moshing oh god right now no thanks <laughs> no man <laughs> yeah, i i wouldn't be a good time i'm sore when i get home from work every night like i gotta ice my whole body <laughs> Dude, <laughs> like, did you like, did you used to mosh? Oh, yeah, dude. Absolutely, 100%. You know, almost yeah, every show I'd be in the pit. But uh, unless it was like some hardcore show or something where they're throwing fucking spin kicks and there's a bunch of ninjas yeah. in the... Well, in the what are you doing at shows like that anyway, you know? I I enjoy all styles of aggressive music, okay? So, uh, yeah. yeah. I You can pretty much guarantee that if the word core is in it, I'm not a fan. Really? You're not a fan of any death core or anything? No. 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 I uh, If I hear a breakdown, like a ben, den, 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 with like a slow china, I'm like... <laughs> oh, wow, buddy. Wow. Yeah, I don't like them. I'm just, uh, I find it, I'm always like disappointed whenever I hear that. No offense to anyone who does that. That's cool. Do your thing. Don't let me ruin your day. But personally, I don't, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, it's like, it's one of those things that is, it's like, if you're listening to a song, like, oh, that's cool. And then like, le- like cheesy auto tuned vocals or something come in. Yeah. It just turns you like, right uh, off. eh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, the first band I played drums for was uh, a quote unquote hardcore band, if you will. You know, yeah. So we we consider ourselves party core because honestly, we uh, didn't know what we were doing. We <laughs> didn't know how to write music, and we just partied all the time and played hardcore. So we had a great time doing it. I still love those guys, uh, and I still love breakdowns. So, so I will actually admit to there is one guilty pleasure that breaks my rule. Uh, which is a band called Ninja Spy, Ooh. which is like a uh, metalcore ska band. And there were three brothers, and they, um, I think it's we played with them in PEI, my old band. Did, I think we did a CD release, and they happened to be on tour, so we got them to come down. And they're fantastic. Are they from the uh, East Coast? No, they're from Vancouver, I believe. Okay, yeah. Originally, I thought they were from Vancouver, but then you said you played with them in PEI, so it's like. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were a long way from home there. Yeah, I, I, I know of the band. I don't. Uh, I couldn't put a song to the name, but uh, definitely. Uh, I, I believe that we might have uh, been in contact with playing some shows back in the day, because uh, mm-hmm. they, yeah, they, they're great. They had a, a good following going and everything. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. Um. I have a fun mosh pit story if we've got time for it. Oh, absolutely! Kind of taking things casual today, dude. It's, I remember it's it. Sunday. Uh, you know, <laughs> we're nice and relaxed. It's uh, Easter Sunday, I guess it would be for you religious yeah. folks. Um, 
Yeah. yeah. So I'm not one of those folks. <laughs> uh, we got a nice turkey in the oven here. Things are starting to smell delicious. So, yeah, mm. yeah I do miss having. That's the one. Like that, not the one. That's a downside of having my family living, you know, two thousand kilometers away in PEI, where I don't get holiday meals. Yeah. Instead, I'm going to <laughs> eat some. Like bread. Well, if it wasn't for this uh, crazy COVID stuff, I'd say come on over. But uh, you are not welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate it. (laughs) Anyway, so here I am as a kid, little baby Derek, you know, little baby goth Derek too, in uh, a metal show in PEI, and everybody's moshing, having a good time, and uh, I get pushed from one side, and I look up, and my face slams into somebody else's face. And it hurt so bad, like Classic. rocked me. And I stumbled out of the pit one way. I knew the guy, I like stumbled out. I didn't know the guy, but he stumbled out of the pit the other way and like didn't see him or cross paths again. And so the next night, uh, I went to a party on a beach. And PEI is not very big. So I'm at a beach party and I had this big bruise on the side of my face and like in my forehead. <laughs> because of this and somebody um like somebody asked me what was going on i explained like oh i hit my face off some person in the mosh pit uh anyway so like other people are showing up to this party we don't know all of them and, and this one guy shows up and i overhear him talking to someone and he's like oh man i hit my face and like somebody else's face in the mosh pit last night and i looked at him and he had a matching bruise on his face and i was like oh, you uh, yeah. and then your best friends ever since that's it yeah pretty much no, I, I don't uh i don't think i even remember this guy's name i'm sure i could figure it out but no we pretty much just like laughed and then like all right bye bye that's it yeah Dude, I, I've gotten uh, minor injuries in the pit far too many times. Which, uh, I don't know. Most of the time, though, if I'm in the pit and doing that type of stuff, like I'm I'm loaded. So I don't remember. Yeah, so you're extra floppy day. and you can absorb all the hits? Well, yeah, that's it, man. That's it. And for the most part, anyways, most of the shows I go to, everybody's like pretty okay. So if, you, like, if you're sloppy drunk and you fall down in the pit, people are going to pick you up and like you're not going to get trampled <laughs> or. Every now and again, there's an asshole who's just out for blood, but, you know, try to stay away yeah. from him, I guess. I don't know. Fuck. Yeah. You can avoid it all by just sitting back and, you know, hanging out, watching the band. That's it. I remember one of the first shows I did that at um, was Rhapsody and Manowar. Now, for Manowar, I went in the pit because it was hella fun. It's fucking Manowar. But for Rhapsody, I was so... uh like mesmerized by their light show that I just stood back near the lighting desk and just watched the whole time. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is incredible. <laughs> like their light show is like insane. And the light watching the lighting guy, like go off and everything. It was awesome. Me and my brother just like stood there and was like watching the lighting guy work, like <laughs> do his thing. I was like, Holy shit, dude, like you're fucking killing yeah, let's it. Let's make a difference. That was, that was a big reason that I thought that I, I list that Behemoth show was one of my all time favorite shows because not only did they like were they amazing, they're super professional on stage without being too cheesy like mm-hmm. you know syncing things up as in like they all just knew how to fill the stage out they knew you know if two of us are standing on stage left one of us should be on stage right to fill it up 
Yeah. And, you know, the, you know, if, if someone's doing solos, we know like the, it's clearly the two guitar players knew like, Oh, Hey, now like this is the part of the song where we switch sides of the stage mm-hmm. and things like that. Not like they're sitting there doing like guitar machine guns and like synchronized hops and stuff, but I love that. Um, shit. I'd, I love it. <laughs> but, uh, and I, so I found that cool, but yeah, their lights were amazing and added so much to the show. Mm-hmm. It was just like tasteful and fantastic it just adds that like extra level of production and professionalism to uh, Mm -hmm. the the show that like if you don't if you don't have that it just kind of falls flat sometimes or it might come across way cheesier if they didn't have a proper light show to accompany the the music and theme that they had set totally i think just like lights um, and I saw this with another band that did had like a much, much simpler show. And even just having the lights switch a couple times at key moments in the song mm-hmm. added a lot. Yeah. You know, like you're playing something really fast and intense and the lights are flickering and then you go into something slow and heavy. And if the light switches to like, you know, a red flood or something like that at that moment, it just like it feels so intense, you know. Yeah, especially for a band like I know with us, like we've talked about doing lights so much because we have a lot of kind of atmospheric parts. Mm-hmm. And if we could do something like crushingly heavy and just have the light like switch at that moment, I feel like it would just add to that atmosphere. Well, and since you guys are playing to a metronome as well, if you wanted to get fancy with it, you could create a light show to your MIDI tracks and then just control everything off a laptop. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we're hoping to do at some point yeah but you know being poor <laughs> well dude, drummers don't have money i'm sure between you and Devin, you have everything that you need to be able to do it other than the physical lights <laughs> other um, than the things we need <laughs> but you can create the show and and do everything like that um uh, and then it's just getting the lights which uh maybe i could help you out with but we can yeah. talk about that later we'll talk about that at some point when we're not recording yeah but um but yeah it it it, it makes a huge difference and i know crimson's been kind of talking about that for a long time but it was like logistically with us touring and everything it and the venues that we were playing uh and most of the touring we were doing was supporting um so it it just didn't make sense for us to have all our own lights it was just an extra thing to go wrong when setting up and our setup Mm -hmm. already takes long enough um with how a how big my kid is and um because we have multiple vocalists on stage and um like backing tracks which all that is, is pretty pretty simple for the setup but just getting our monitors right we want to make sure everybody's comfortable on stage and mm-hmm. if we had to set up all these lights as well it wouldn't uh wouldn't work out well i would love to have a lighting guy on tour if we we're doing uh bigger venues and stuff but um oh, it'd be great yeah. yeah who knows i've often thought about that too like just even as opposed to having a specific lighting person because again like you said for playing with a, a metronome It'd be easy enough to just have the lights programmed and ready to go and make sure to have a like a kill switch. So if you got off the metronome for whatever reason, you can just hit a button and switch it to like a generic kind of light 
show as opposed to something that's synced up and going to not work. No, no. But, that's um, setting yourself up for failure. You need to play to that metronome 100% of the time, buddy. Come on. <laughs> Keep yeah, with it. There's always issues. Even whenever I saw animals as leaders, they, they messed it up a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, that happens. Yeah, well, but then you pay for it. Uh, <laughs> that's it, man. Uh, unless there's like an override that the guy at the desk, if he notices something's off, and then he can just override it and control the lights himself. Um, yeah, right. Something like, something that. like that would work. Because the last thing you want is a kill switch, and then you just have a fucking blank stage. You're like <laughs> everything just goes black, and you're still playing. It's like that'd be the oh. worst. You know, it'd be better. Well, the kill switch would be like uh, you hit it, and it's just like instead of instead of like the lights changing at key points in the song, it's just kind of like random lighting happens, like normal standard stage lighting. Yeah. Yeah. That, I don't know. I don't, that's gotta be doable, but uh, honestly, I think it might be better. Even if it's one beat off, it might be better than just having generic shit lights, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, obviously we would rehearse with it and, test all that stuff out but that's uh that's a pipe dream that's down the road a little bit ah don't call it a pipe dream you can make it happen just start working on it just do it that's the first step it'll happen eventually the first step to doing stuff is fucking doing it just (laughs) we'll get starting there's lots of things to spend money on Uh, being a drummer is an expensive hobby as it is let alone paying for lights that's it recently i have been really wanting um a brass snare Ah, right. Yeah, I'm back on the the snare train. I want a new another new snare. I want it. Uh well, one of those thick ones that I was talking about, huh? Yeah, well my buddy uh picked up uh I think it's a U drum brass. Uh I think it's a 14 by 6, I want to say. And mm-hmm. Dude, the thing sounds phenomenal. And I know some other producers and stuff that keep it in their studio cuz they fucking like swear by the snare so now i'm like fuck i really want a brass snare and i'm looking through the uh the mapex snares to see kind of what they got and realistically the uh sledgehammer is like they're they're kind of go-to but everybody yeah, uses that's a pretty that. snare. it is but like everybody in metal uses that so i, I think i want something like a little different but Mm-hmm. I I want like a I'm, eight inch deep snare, a fourteen by eight. Like that's that's where I want to go. I want something like brutally. That'd deep. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. You know what you could do is like if you got something like the Mapex Sledgehammer, um, you could change the hoops, get different hoops for it, and it would change the sound completely. Yeah. You know, yeah. You get some of those like really heavy duty brass hoops and stick it on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bet that would like add a lot of crack. I know that I was shocked whenever I swapped out my, uh, like I had a snare drum and then I swapped out the standard hoops for diecast hoops. Yeah. And it was like a huge difference. Like the snare t- sounded like it just gained like hundreds of dollars of value, which I guess technically it did with the uh, the diecast hoops, but yeah, <laughs> it just sounded so much better. Yeah. Dude, and I'll I'll look into that. Or maybe I'll look into like just upgrading some of the snares I have right now. Cause I love my my pork pie. Uh, it's a fourteen by seven uh, cherry and babinga wood blend, and dude, it's it's beautiful. Um, but I think I might look into getting some diecast hoops for it now that you mention it. 
So. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it just adds so much crack. You know, your rim shots become like gunshots. It's great. Oh, yeah. And that's really what it's all about. It is like trying to transform your snare into a machine gun. Like that is, that's kind <laughs> of the, the end goal of what we do behind the kit, right? Yeah, yeah, make those people that didn't wear earplugs at the show feel bad about it. Exactly. They, re- they regret it. <laughs> it was funny. Um, I, it was a little bit ago, but I know Spencer, the drummer of Archspire, said his biggest influence was machine guns and helicopters. <laughs> that, <laughs> I couldn't see that. That was his, his influence to playing. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's genius, man. Helicopters? Like, <laughs> Yes. Back. <laughs> that's great i had uh just a random story i guess we're gonna go with a lot of random things for this episode yeah sure um, fuck it why not man it's <laughs> easter sunday you know long weekend <laughs> fuck uh we had uh played like a little tour i'm gonna leave names out of this because it's kind of making fun of somebody but um we did this tour like a, not even a tour it was like three show run and one of the bands had this like artist girl who decided like she wanted to come around and paint while the bands played yeah and set up like pretty much like front of the stage and with she was just really like miserable <laughs> like she just yelled at everybody she was so grumpy people would bump into her like she's pretty much in the mosh pit painting and people would bump into her and then she'd get pissed at them yeah and uh it's like you realize this I is remember- a death metal show right like <laughs> yeah and then we uh the last show we were set up and i was just doing a quick little sound check. like nobody was in the venue doing a sound check and they're like all right can you like you're all set up let's uh play the drums see what it's like and i just i played the drums let's just like a regular like play everything and then my brother was like all right like how's that sound and then she was like yelled out like the drums are too loud and she was like serious and, like, yeah and the, the drums weren't mic'd at all yeah <laughs> like, like no mic you <laughs> got your triggers coming through and that's it i don't even know if i did have triggers coming through for that show it was like a bare bones venue like and uh anyway so she ended up like yelling at our bassist at the end of the show or like getting all pissy at him saying that we weren't respecting like the audience because the drums were too loud and like she didn't have earplugs or anything and she's like it wasn't fair that i had to wait outside during your set because you guys were too loud (laughs) like what are we supposed to do there so moral of the story don't be don't be miserable don't and uh, pack don't, your earplugs yeah and don't go on the road with bands uh a to paint uh two to be a miserable bitch like like and that goes for any member of any band or anyone doing merch or anything don't be the cancer on the road because dude that yeah that just kills everybody it's harsh as everyone's mellow when you're just a miserable cunt yeah and i mean and it could be like it could be stressful a little you know it's touring is fun and everything but like there's still stress associated with it you're still away from from you know the people that you care about you're stressed out getting a show you're tired so it's like if everybody's trying to like in the same boat trying to make things pleasant it's a lot more enjoyable but if someone's just right. like shitty it just makes the whole thing suck yeah exactly and then you're complaining about the drums being too loud like all right turn everything else up then if the drums are too loud then everything else needs to come up to match the drums like that's just how that works you know and admittedly after she said that i made a point to hit harder yeah 
of course yeah, you know big, fuck you yeah <laughs> yeah every shot was the hardest rim shot i could do it's great perfect yeah <laughs> excellent man all right so uh do we want to move on to our topic of the day which is <laughs> uh <laughs> good half hour intro- <laughs> yeah are you gonna go ahead and introduce it yeah honestly um i uh today we kind of wanted to just discuss uh what life as a drummer is like uh especially in this day and age where we're all stuck at home a lot of people seem to be uh getting noise complaints from neighbors that they're stuck in apartments or um like small housing and and even just playing their digital drum kit uh they're getting complaints and you know um, maybe we have some solutions on how to deal with that, or maybe we don't. Um, me personally, man, I've never had a, a, a digital kit. I lived in Toronto for a while and, uh, I really wanted to get one, but, um, I just, uh, didn't play drums that much and it really sucked. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty much my solution was, uh, I was miserable without my, <laughs> like that was it. I would uh, come up to where where we jam, or I got to jam with uh, the no cash guys uh, at our rehearsal space, but it wasn't like an open space, kind of like yours. It was like we had our set days and times that we rehearsed as a band. I couldn't go in and just um, jam because it wasn't my drum kit either. Uh, oh, that's rough. Yeah, and it it only had a single pedal, and it was a piece of shit. Like Ew. <laughs> Mapex Tornado, um, which is a lot better than a lot of other low quality kits. Uh just sneak that in there. It's, <laughs> Love you, Mapex. Yeah. It did <laughs> I managed to tune it up uh nicely and then I'd get in the next week and somebody fucking fucked tuning up on the whole thing and it was like fucking all right, why am I even bothering? Fuck this shit. <laughs> like I brought my own snare mm-hmm. in so I made sure that sounded good. But uh <laughs> Yeah. Uh, do you have any any tips? I know you live in a apartment. Uh, you got a nice electric drum kit sitting behind you. Any tips on how mm-hmm. to keep the noise down and keep those neighbors happy? Yeah, man. I mean, I think everybody who plays drums understands the the plight that we face because it's a loud instrument. You know, it's not easy to find a place to practice, even in a house. You know, like mm-hmm. um, especially like you know, I live in Toronto or well, Etobicoke now, but living in a house like you can still hear those outside whenever I'm playing. Uh, and there's a lot of things that I think, you know, people need to do to avoid complaints from their neighbors and stuff. Uh, and I think the biggest one is to open up that conversation with your neighbor. Don't just play and hope for the best. And if they complain, think, Oh, they're being assholes. You know, who wants to listen to drums all the time? And especially if they don't know, you know, if they don't think that you're considerate or if they think like, oh, you might be playing for hours or whatever. Like if you tell them, hey, this is a thing I do. And hey, I know this can be annoying. I want to find a time that works good, like works well for both of us, because I do need to practice. Um, you know, I don't want to I'm not going to practice at unreasonable hours. But is there are there times that like would be better and less inconvenient for me to practice? Like, you know, just say they work until five and they say hey or they work at home until five 
And they go like, you know, it'd be better for me if you practice after five o'clock or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually whenever I've approached neighbors and talked to them about that, even with the electric kit, because, you know, those aren't silent, <laughs> especially in an apartment. Those can be really annoying. Yeah. Um, but I find talking to them and letting them know that, like, hey, I don't want to be bugging you. You know, we, we live with an earshot of each other. Let's try to make this pleasant for both of us so we can live our lives the way we want. Uh, they usually appreciate that. Yeah, I'd say so. I know that there was one place I lived that uh, we, I had my acoustic drums. It's where Crimson practiced, uh, everything like that. And we never had any com- like physical complaints from our neighbors. Um, but we did have the one guy over for a party one time. Um, he was actually a teacher of one of our friends that would come over and party all the time. So he, uh, he was telling us that his, his wife wasn't too happy when we would have rehearsal or anything. (laughs) Uh, and it would always be right after they put their, uh, baby down to sleep, we would start playing. Uh, which we, we didn't know anything and they never came and talked to us and it was a fully detached house too, but they were close enough as, you know, still like in town. Um, but his, his one thing was, uh, she would bitch about it and he'd be like, well, you know what? At at least they're pretty tight though. Like, (laughs) you know, like it's not, it's not, it could be a lot worse. Right. They, so, um, yeah, but as far as like just playing drums, um, one thing that I did um, and at our space is we have a, a double walled uh, on the. It's in the basement, so you have the outside walls, and then the one wall that faces into the house is double walled and insulated with a double door, so it limits the amount of noise. Uh, now it is crazy annoying for anyone else in the house like it's still loud it goes through the vents and and all that stuff um and i didn't really realize it um but just listening to drums is probably one of the most annoying things ever and i've had other people be like can you just run like whatever you're playing along to can you run it through a pa system or something so we can hear like the whole thing uh (laughs) And I'm like, no, nah, because I got my click track and everything. That's going to be way more annoying. Um, but, uh, yeah, I could. so I could imagine just hearing drums when it's just you practicing is uh, mm-hmm. not not enjoyable for anybody who can hear it. Uh, so And honestly, even, even the electric drums I find almost more annoying because it's just like tick tack tick 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 like it's like oh yeah they sound like crap yeah it it sounds like garbage meanwhile in your headphones you have these samples that are like fucking huge and it sounds great and then out here it's just like you hitting on a couple fucking rubber mats and it's yeah i don't know yeah definitely like even like i so my kit's got mesh heads on it and that's still loud and i mean the the loudest part of any electric kit is the kick drum Yes, by far. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, if you're up above somebody, you're going to have issues because that's going to travel straight down to whoever is below you. Uh, so one thing I did, because I lived above a store recently, I built a, a riser with like it was, uh, you know, a sheet of plywood and then with holes cut in it and then kind of tennis balls. And I'm sure anybody who's looked into it, like knows about the tennis ball riser that you can make. And if you don't just like you Google, like, you know, V drum tennis ball riser. Uh, and essentially what happens is the tennis balls absorb a lot of the shock from 
the kick pad. And so it stops a lot of that sound from going down into the floor. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it a lot easier for people to to tolerate living under somebody who's playing electric drums. But it's not going to solve all the problems. And again, like all of these solutions would go hand in hand with communicating with your neighbor and letting them know, hey, this is the thing I'm doing. Yeah. This is when I'm hoping to. I'm not going to do this at 2 a.m., so don't worry about that. Um, another thing that uh, I found really helped me because I... You know, like, yeah, the the pads that you're hitting with your hands, those can be loud. Um, some of the symbols I found, because I've got some Roland V symbols and all companies are going to be a bit different, but they had a bit of a tone to them, like almost like a hollow sound. So it made them a little louder than I felt they should be. So I bought some uh, like Vicworth sound off mutes, like those rubber pads that you just throw in your drums. Mm-hmm. And I double sided taped them to the parts that I actually hit on some of the symbols, like my ride, my hi hats. And that cut the sound down a lot but it didn't actually affect the sensitivity of the symbol, the way it performed at all. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So that was really useful for me at least. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then for my kick pad, I actually ended up doing a similar thing, but, uh, I bought like a cheaper Roland, I think KD eight or something like that. It's like just like their basic rubber pad, electric bass drum. And I put maybe about an inch of couch foam on it. And then I put a layer of that big for sound, uh, sound off pad. And, the kick drum now it feels a little pillowy but it still functions really well but it's super quiet yeah like the sound of my pedals rattling because i'm using my speed cobras at home the sound of those pedals rattling is louder than the kick pad is yeah it's like shockingly quiet which is pretty cool that is that's super super cool because i know um i when i was living we lived on the second floor of uh triplex um for a while and i had a gibraltar kick pad stand that i would use or i planned on using i got about 30 seconds into uh a a, just a routine and my Mm -hmm. neighbor came up and was banging down my door like what the fuck are you doing it's like you're playing drums on my head and I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I'll stop. Like, all right, cool. Sorry about that. I didn't think it was going to be that loud, but it definitely was 100%. So uh, that didn't work out. <laughs> so, yeah, that's rough. Yeah. I, I don't, I think the, um, the tennis ball riser is probably like the, the best solution to something like that. Uh, Cause you're not mm-hmm. really going to get away from the, it, it, it going down through the floor. Um, even if you have like, uh, the cushion on where the beater hits, I still think the amount of like force and pressure that you're still putting down onto the pedals is going to cause a lot to go through the floor into their roof. So definitely if if you're experiencing that, um, and your neighbors below you hate you, I would look into building a riser for them. That I think that that would actually work. So yeah, and one thing that actually also helped was refining my foot technique to the point where I was actually properly utilizing the rebound. Like I wasn't burying the the beater. Mm-hmm. That is so loud. You know, you're just gonna like like if you're playing like rock drum style and you're just like completely burying the beater into the head and hitting your kick drum as hard as you can every time. That's gonna be that's so loud. <laughs> And I found uh, 
I mean, obviously this is going to change. Like, you know, rock drummers might want to do that, but especially for metal drummers, like, you know, you want to have control over your, your feet. And if you're playing, I don't want to say lighter, but like if you're properly using the rebound of your pedal, you're still going to be able to get a good sound like out of an acoustic kick drum with that. But playing quiet uh, with your feet actually helps you develop a lot more control. At least it has for me. Yeah. Because like if you can play quiet, then you can, it's a lot easier to like play fast. And so if you're playing quietly and fast, it'll be a lot easier to play hard as opposed to being used to playing hard and trying to play quiet. Yeah. I, if that makes any sense. I think it's kind of the same idea of um, getting the con- the control at very slow tempos will help you have that control at fast tempos. Mm-hmm. Right? Totally. Like slowing everything down and really focusing on your hands or feet at slow tempos and like seriously having full control over it uh will will help you get to those faster tempos a lot quicker and so i, I mm-hmm. think it's the same thing as as you know being able to play quiet because it's all just control right totally and if you can um you know and if you can play quieter it's just going to make it a lot easier because i think too that myself uh whenever i was having like you know dipping into tempos that i kind of struggled with often I would hit a lot harder because I'd be losing my balance and leaning forward and really like, you know, stomping on the pedals. Mm -hmm. And uh, that causes so much extra noise. Yeah. Uh, Especially if you're playing in an apartment, like just take that time and focus on your your technique and, you know, go hard whenever you're playing an acoustic kit. Yeah. But but the, the name of the game here is getting as much practice in as you can. And if you're going to bear your beater and get complaints from your neighbors, you're probably not going to get to practice as much as opposed to playing lightly yeah, and practicing whatever you want. And it'll just get frustrating for you, and then your neighbors will hate you, and then you'll end up getting evicted. And, um, yeah, nobody <laughs> you know, wants that. Nobody, no, you don't want that. Definitely, definitely not. <laughs> um, but also, even with um, playing harder and everything, it exerts more energy. And if you want to be playing fast for long periods of time, you have to think about how much energy you're putting into each hit and how long you can actually sustain that for. So totally. Yeah. I, I think, uh, and I'm not saying that people shouldn't hit hard, um, at all. Cause I love the idea of, uh, using an acoustic drum kit to its full potential and not just triggering everything, even though I do use triggers, but that, uh, is somewhat out of laziness as well. Uh, <laughs> and just like well, when you're when you're a, a, a smaller band too, you don't really have the time on tour or anything like that to make sure that a you have mics for both your drums at every venue, both your kick drums, uh, and tuning both your kick drums properly, right? Mm-hmm. So they having a trigger uh, at least to layer in with a natural kick gives a more consistent um sound to the the kick drum overall but if you're a guy yeah. if you're a guy like Krim who has like put in all the time and effort and everything to make sure your hits are crazy consistent and heavy and tight and all that fucking be my guest man 
Yeah, all well, day. He uses triggers, doesn't he? He does, but um, I saw more reason like within the last year or so, he he put posts up like, "Why am I using triggers when I put so much time into making my hits consistent and heavy?" So he has, as far as I know, anyways, um, he has he's mic'd them up as well so that he can blend the two together. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, I'm pretty sure he uses. Foot I'm not blasters. familiar with like a lot of his stuff, but like, are they really playing like? At like, does he play a lot of like extreme speeds? Like, I know he does a lot of blasting and fast double bass, but like, realistically, I have a hard time imagining anybody playing two like sixteenths at two forty or up, and having that be able to sound good with just mics. No, I'd say like some of the septic flesh stuff is pretty quick, but um, I I'd say like his sweet spot is probably between two hundred and two twenty. I want to say, um. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's achievable to play without triggers, but like, especially some of these smaller venues that like, you know, you and I would be playing, it's going to sound like garbage. And uh, quite often I, I've said, like, I think a lot of drummers are doing themselves a disservice and doing their whole band a disservice by not triggering because yeah, they may be tight. They may be playing fast, but what's coming through the PA sounds like a muddy, gross mess. Exactly. Unless you have a sound guy who knows what the fuck he's doing and knows how to EQ a kick drum for the style of metal you're playing or any style for that matter but if we're talking about that fast the drums like he needs to know that like how to cut the mud and like just it's it's difficult rather than giving him a sample that's like fucking here you go pump this through and it's gonna sound fucking brutal right Mm -hmm. yeah totally um i feel like we got kind of off topic there with the triggers we were talking about hitting less hard were we not for kind of keeping your neighbors happy yeah and um, <laughs> and it, we're not saying that you hit less hard with triggers because that's cheating right no uh um uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you now. can, but i find that i still like i hit pretty hard with them still like especially since i've been kind of refining the my my foot technique but there's a different like you know when it comes to playing loud uh and i think i said this before that you know there's a kind of a max volume of the things that you're hitting you know, you can hit your drums nice and hard and your cymbals nice and hard and get the most volume out of them that you're going to hit. Um, like, that's not, doesn't mean hitting them as hard as you can. You know, you could hit a cymbal fairly hard and get its max volume and then hit it even harder and it's still going to be the same max volume. Yeah. So yeah. you're just damaging your shit at that point and, and hurting your muscles and, and breaking your sticks. So realistically, it's just practicing especially if you're on an electric kit in an apartment where you don't want to bother people play lightly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I know it kind of sucks at first, but it'll make your playing so much better. And you can always hit hard whenever you're at the jam spot on the acoustic kit, whenever you're not going to be potentially evicted. Yes. You know, light practice is better than no practice. That's so right. You, take that. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> light practice is better than no practice or also not getting evicted yes yeah yeah you can't practice if you're living in your van yeah maybe you ah, you're definitely good yeah <clears throat> that'd be pretty sweet i've often like wanted to be one of those people that live like you know i have a van life and get like a big sprinter and convert it but i've always been like okay well where would i store my practice stuff you know that's a lot of like a set of kicks and the practice pad that takes up some space if you had a whole sprinter van Dude, come on. Yeah, but on. you got to have like your bed and like a little kitchenette. You know, 
Space is at a premium. Um, that's true. If it was the summer, though, literally, I'd have it like attached to the door so that it literally you open up the side door and it just swings down, and then you just toss your pedals on and you and you put your throne down and you're like boom, boom, boom. You're fucking set, that's dude. Not a bad idea, right? Like you'd have to do shit like that. Yeah, you set up on the roof of the van. Oh fuck, that'd be pretty. That'd be pretty great, Bad actually. Ass man, yeah. We should do a we're talking drums like city tour where we do live podcast episodes. We'll live in a van and practice on the roof. All right, done. I got the van. It'd be, it'd be great. I got the van. We'll uh, I'll I'll rig it up and we'll just tour around Canada doing podcast episodes. And sweet, I've got the one piece pajamas and the marshmallows. Oh fucking sweet, dude. I got I got, I got a I got the can of beans and uh, a hot plate, so we're all set. Bad, we're all set. Living it up. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. So I feel like we're uh, this might might be a good place to end. Leave people with that visual of a uh, you and I all cozied up in pajamas, yeah. <laughs> eating beans in a van. Yeah, uh, living off a a single mattress. You know, mm. <laughs> <laughs> eating a can of beans for breakfast. Uh, I think I've said it before, but just to anybody, uh, if you're on tour or anything, don't have a can of beans for breakfast. You <laughs> and the rest of the people you're on tour with will hate you. It's not fun. Anyways. Can confirm. Yes. So let's go eat beans together. Yay. Let's do it, man. All right. Thanks, everybody. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you got something out of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't as organized as it could have been, but... I think we talked about some kind of neat stuff. I think there's some tidbits of uh, or tad bits of information, you know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as usual, if there's anything you guys want us to chat about, let us know. I was going to say in the comments. We don't really have a comment. We don't really. Section. No, there is really. Facebook, Instagram. You know where to find us. If you you can leave uh, a a message or a comment on a post on our Facebook or Instagram, that's doable. You know, so mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, it's it's uh, been a pleasure as usual. Yeah, man. It's been great. Love talking to you. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll talk to you next week. That's right. And uh, have a good week, everybody. Yeah. Happy Easter. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're feeling especially kind, we would love it if you would share this with a friend or two. If you have any comments, questions, or even suggestions for future shows, please let us know. You can fire us a message, and we'll do our best to get back to you. Catch you next time.